Good afternoon, folks, and thanks for joining us. Welcome to the MMA Soccer Podcast. My name's Tim Wheaton, joined as always by Fraser Crone. Fraser, what's going on today? The debate is over. Oh. The debate is over. And I'm kind of happy about it. Week in, week out, we talk about who's the, who's the GOAT, who's the pound-for-pound pound number one. That we, we'll have nothing to talk about. This is the last ever <laughs> MMA Soccer Podcast episode. There is no debate. John Jones. John Jones has ended the MMA Soccer Podcast. <laughs> Well, I thought you were going to do a twist and be like, Alexa Grasso, she's the GOAT. She's the greatest of all time, no doubt. She's, she's getting there. She's, she's getting, getting there. Actually, though. Um, but yeah, we'll talk. I, I actually think it's relit the GOAT debate. I feel like in 2017, there was no debate. It was George St. Pierre. He went up and wait after a layoff. But now we're seeing John Jones going up and wait after a layoff. Now people are like, well, let's look at the original resumes. Let's look at their different opponents. Is Biz being better than Cyril gone? But, you know, let's do a 285 rundown before we really get into the... Uh, I, I, we probably won't even talk about it because go on Twitter and all that <laughs> kind of stuff or go on Reddit. It's fine. But let, let's get into it. UFC 285, John Bones Jones, after years and years away, uh, one of the greatest light heavyweights in history. I mean, the only knock against him is this stuff outside the octagon uh, involving uh, run-ins with the law, performance enhancing drugs, stuff like that. But inside the octagon, he is a flawless machine. He went up in weight. He beat Cyril Gaon, a top three heavyweight in under two minutes, under three minutes, via submission, and he is now the light. He's now the heavyweight champion of the world. Fraser, what's your initial reaction? How do you feel about it? My initial reaction, you know, it's, it's almost a robbery. Cyril Gunn outlanded John Jones six to five <laughs> on significant strikes. You know, it, it, it is what it is. You know, I'm, I'm hoping Cyril's going to put in a, an appeal. What was the thing that Connor said on like uh, uh, from a fight perspective? I clearly from a fight won. perspective, Cyril uh, Cyril Gunn won. You know that's right. Eight, six significant strikes to Jones's five. Stats don't lie. That's right. No, you know this is why we always say you know stats tell some of the story, but clearly not the whole story because John Jones had a tougher time getting the toe tape off or the foot tape off. You know he had a tougher time. The, the commission gave John Jones a tougher time on Saturday night than, than Cyril Gann did. With the greatest respect to Cyril Gann, was the toe you tape? Know. Is that the ghost of Chael Sonnen right there? <laughs> I think Again, it was. Did 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 Chael Sonnen is Chael Sonnen the uncrowned light heavyweight champion and the goat? Absolutely, absolutely. Anyway, go ahead. You know, <laughs> sorry. Like I say, I think the commission gave John Jones a tougher. You know, John, gave John Jones more to think about than than Cyril Gann. Unfortunately, we knew Cyril Gann had a hole in the game. We knew it was the wrestling. Was Jones gonna gonna stand with an elite tie boxer, or was he gonna take him down to the ground? I think after he got nutshotted within the first ten seconds, I think that kind of I, that had shades of uh, Matt Mitrione and, and Kiritanov. I was a little bit worried that that'd be the return of John Jones, nutshotted in the first six six or seven seconds. End of the fight, he can't he can't go back. But uh no, you know, I think am I a little bit disappointed in Cyril Gan? Yes, unfortunately I I am, and that's no disrespect to Cyril Gan, but this is a full time job. You should treat it treat it like a full time job. You know, if if I have a, a an element of my job that I'm not very good at, I work to improve on that. And in Cyril Gan clearly hasn't. We we like we said last week on our review show, uh, sorry, preview show that he doesn't he's not he doesn't train full time he trains when he has a fight unfortunately that's not good enough and it showed tonight i don't think you know you could have put three serial guns in there tonight and i think uh, yeah last night and i think john jones would have just gone through them all i think he was a man on the mission and i i, I a, a flawless performance he, he could legitimately get jumped straight in there today 
with with another another so could Cyril Gagne. None of them took any damage. Gagne got got choked out within yeah two minutes and four seconds. It's disappointing for me because I've still got questions about John Jones as a heavyweight. I have no questions about John Jones as the goat because you can't you know his resume speaks for itself. Three years off, three off the back of three pretty flat performances. And comes in there, blast Silgan out there in, in just a little over two minutes. But I've still got questions about John Jones at heavyweight, which I'm I'm glad about in a way. I didn't want him to, you know, dominate Silgan for for two rounds in the striking and then another round in the wrestling and then finish him in the third. I, I don't mind that we've still got questions about John Jones, but for me it's unquestionable that he is the greatest of all time and he is Skill for skill, probably the greatest heavyweight, or the greatest MMA fighter that we've we've ever seen. He, he doesn't seem to have a hole in his game at the moment. No, it's just like even when he was coming up in 2013, this is what we were talking about. Like the, this guy's the greatest of all time. We are witnessing history. It is tantamount to witnessing history when he fights. And this is like all of the platitudes and accomplishments that we use in sports. He, he's earned them. A lot of times in fight sport, we use very lame language to describe things for people who maybe don't deserve it. Like, how many people are a legend? We describe so many people. John Jones is a living legend, and it is witnessing history when he fights. I was a little bit let down that, yeah, this was only a three-minute fight. Because, like you said, we didn't answer. All the questions we had last week are still prevalent. Essentially, we know that Cyril Gaon will overcommit on strikes. And, and you know what? One of the guys I follow, Coach Barry Robinson, he said this before the fight. He said, Cyril Gunn does overcommit on punches. One punch is all it took. And then, and, uh, and John Jones was the better wrestler, was the better grappler. I mean, this is, I mean, what else can you say? Good for him. This is uh, one of the greatest fighters in history that we are witnessing. I, I think this is still one of the legends that we're going to be talking about for years to come. The Michael Jordan of MMA. This is what we've called him before. And I think he's really earned that title at this point. Uh, how much like future losses really affect this? I don't know, but hey, yeah, as exactly. of right now, like history is. I think history. We're seeing the narrative already change on like where he was even two years ago when he was getting arrested at the Hall of Fame. Narratives change so fast, and I think history will look kindly on John Jones. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you said it perfectly there. One one punch is all it takes in heavyweight boxing, in heavyweight fighting. You know, boxing or MMA to either knock a guy out. Ala Stipe Miocic and and uh, and Francis Ngannou, but it also only takes one punch to overcommit on it and get taken down and choked out. Cyril Gann has white belt wrestling and white belt ground game, unfortunately, and and no, just because he's got you know almost elite stand up. You know, he's got arguably the best stand up, if not top three in the that we've maybe even ever seen in the heavyweight division. Heavy, heavyweights don't move like Cyril Gann. They don't move like. You know, Tom Aspinall, they, they, they move like, unfortunately, Derek Lewis. And, you know, that big power shot can only get you so far, as we've seen with Derek Lewis. But for Cyril Gann, I think Taito Avasu is probably the worst possible fight that he could have had just before John Jones, after the Francis Ngannou. Because for Taito Avasu, how much wrestling did he really, really drill for Taito Avasu? He knows that Taito Avasu is not going to shoot. Taito Avasu is going to stand for as long as he can in the middle of the octagon. And if he catches you first, as he did with Cyril he's going to look to put you away. If you catch him first, he's soft around the midriff, you can work the body. It's, I, I can't imagine Cyril Gann had more than one wrestling practice a week when training for Taito Avasa. He should have had 10 practices a week at AKA, yes. at American Top Team, at a big gym like that. Now, even if he wants to stay um, in, in Europe, all-stars in Sweden, you know, yeah. go and train with Hamza Chimaev, who... 
yes, he's he's gonna you know he's a big guy, but he's not a heavyweight. But you know, put put in the work. You got guys at All Stars, Alexander Gustafsson, who's been in there with John Jones again. He's probably he weighs as much as probably John Jones now, not not naturally, but you know, it's 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 a it's it's like I say, it's a slight disappointment for for me. I think I can't remember if I tweeted it out of my own account or off off uh, off the MMA Sucker account, but. I've still got so many questions about John Jones because they weighed the same in there, 247. Or I think Jones weighed 247 and a half or 248 and, and Garn came in at, at 247. Skill for skill, I think John Jones beats anybody in the, in the heavyweight division if they weigh the same because I just think he's better than anyone in the heavyweight division. Skill for skill, like I say. But I, I kind of wanted a Francis Ngannou who's in there 20 extra pounds than John Jones, who will be weighing 270, 275 on fight night. I want, I want a Curtis Blades who is going to be stronger than John Jones to see if it is quite literally a skill deficit that John Jones has on these guys and that he can't... Because, you know, Cyril Gann was taken down by John Jones because they were a similar size. Obviously, John Jones was slightly stronger in, in that position. Mm-hmm. But... Let's let's say that Cyril Gann had an extra twenty pounds on 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 his frame. You know, let's say he naturally weighed two six five. I think that is you know Jones is going to have to work hard for the takedown. Cyril Gann's going to find it easier to get back to his feet because he's going to have a twenty pound sort of advantage. For me, this was I know it sounds ridiculous, but this was a a light heavyweight fight for John Jones, just for a higher weight because the guys were the exact same same weight. That's the that's the the beauty of a heavyweight. Is that you can weigh two hundred and seven pounds and be a heavyweight, or you can weigh two sixty six and be a heavyweight. Those those two guys, it's crazy to think can legally and you know pass the sort of tests to fight each other in a cage, and that's what I, I like about heavyweights is that you know it's I mean Sergey Pavlovich got paid this weekend for just stepping on the scale. Why not? You know if I'm ever offered a, a heavyweight title fight, a, a heavyweight battle fight, just it's not like when uh, when Michael Chandler weighed in on. Uh, on Fight Island, he had to cut down to 155. Right, he, he had to put a legitimate camp in there to cut down from you know probably what he probably weighs what 170, 175, and he had to cut down. Sergey Pavlovich is walking on the scales at 258 or whatever he did on on Friday. Yeah, I I do question how John Jones would do against a much larger guy. You know, uh, a Sergey Pavlovich, a a Curtis Blades, a Francis Ngannou. You know, this, this is what I wonder, but. After Saturday night, I have almost no doubt that he would beat these guys. Like I say, skill for skill, I think he's the best heavyweight we've got. You know, Steve, even Stipe Mirjic isn't a massive heavyweight. You know, he's he's legitimately a heavyweight, and there's no chance of Stipe ever making light heavy. You know, he, he's he's too big, he's too thick, but he's not a two six fiver. You know, I'll just look at what he. Um... I think he's two forty. I think he's always about two forty. And exactly. I, think, I think he was two forty. Did he? He cut weight for the Nganu fight. No, he put on. No, I think he cut weight for the Nganu fight for some reason. He came in like two thirty. Yeah, he's not big. So yeah, he he, two, he, was, he weighed two thirty four in his last fight against Nganu. Yeah, two thirty three against DC um, when he went to decision. Two thirty. You know. Yeah. Okay. And he, I mean, yeah, two thirty and a half. So he's gonna he's gonna be smaller than John Jones again. Does that mean that he's gonna be the faster? Well, John Jones has has seen faster. Uh, Cyril Gan, sorry, is <clears throat> arguably faster than than stipe regardless of stipe's weight you know he, he's been in there with 
Anthony Smith, Thiago Santos, both of these guys made middleweight. I know it was mm. down at uh, light heavyweight, but both of these guys made middleweight. Mm. You know, they're going to be faster than Stipe Miocic. And yes, John Jones has got the extra sort of um, the weight on his frame. And I do wonder how well he's going to be able to maintain that weight on his frame because, you know, I don't think he's a natural heavyweight. I think he's probably naturally 215, 220 kind of, kind of range. So he's going to have to keep on lifting weights and eating well to keep on that weight. Mm. Rather than you know someone like a, a Curtis Blaze, for example, who's a natural heavyweight, who can just train and not really worry about his weight. With John Jones, I think he'll have to keep the weight on, which may you know may affect him slightly. But like like I say, I think he's, he's, the skill deficit between him and the rest of the division is so high. It's it's almost an irrelevant conversation. I think you know international fight week was um, was discussed against Stipe. Yep. That'd be great. Yeah, I'm I'm here for that, and then maybe face the the Pavlovich versus Curtis Blades winner at the either in November at MSG if if Connor can't make it back, or if not the the uh, New Year's Day. I think we get, I depending on on uh, his fight with with Stipe in in July, which let's be honest, that's that's the one that we're going to get. Mm. I think he fights three times this year, and I'm I'm here for it. He's a massive ticket seller. He's great during the fight week. Yeah, great after the fight. And like I say, I think he could probably step in there today and fight. He took no damage. He didn't yeah. have to cut weight. You know, he a phenomenal performance by John Jones. I think, like I say, that does just cement him as the GOAT. I don't have any questions anymore. Yeah. But you said a couple of really good things there that I want to touch on. Uh, the biggest loser co- coming out of this weekend might be the MMA factory. Of people are you can see on Twitter people are talking about like what, what are they drill there what are they training there and just having people question it I mean we have said if you are drilling submission grappling or wrestling you got to be in the U S it just is the best in the world and that again proved what our conclusion is um, I won't add too much on there but yeah in terms of weights um, before we've talked about this too the best heavyweights in history two thirty two forty Muhammad Ali Mike Tyson two thirty two forty um stipe fedor kane velasquez 232.40 that is just like the right weight where you have strength and speed everything after that is a drop off on speed in favor of strength and that's okay everything below that you get more speed you know in in exchange for power but i think that 232.40 is just perfect so john coming in at almost 250 it's a beefy boy <laughs> right he's a big lad uh but yeah no i completely agree with you and i do think out of the three though francis and gunning stipe miocic cyril gone Cyril was the best style to lose, right? Oh, without a doubt. It, without, it was okay. a, I wouldn't say it was a setup fight for John Jones. No, it good. wasn't. It wasn't, but because Cyril does does have that that stand up game, but he doesn't have the knockout power of Francis Ngannou, and he doesn't have the well rounded game of Stipe Miocic. Yeah, he doesn't have the wrestling of a Curtis Blades. He doesn't yeah. have the well rounded game of a of a Sergey Pavlovich. Yeah, on paper. It was a competitive matchup. You know, he's the number one contender. Yep. He just knocked out Taito Ibasa. He went 20, 20 hard for, uh, 25 hard minutes with uh, with Francis Ngannou. You know, he, he he used to go in the distance with strikers like Volkov. He, you know, he beat Rosenstroik. But like you said, out of the three, he's the easiest matchup for John Jones. He's got no wrestling. And we've seen that he's got no wrestling. And <laughs> he... he he, it doesn't look like he's learned from the Francis Ngannou fight where he was dominated in the wrestling game. Compare that to Francis Ngannou who left MMA Factory. He was training, obviously, at MMA Factory. Maybe not at the time, but he was dominated and out-wrestled and just ran over by Stipe Miocic. 
In yeah. the second fight, I'm not even sure if Stipe got a takedown on him, you know, because yeah. his takedown defense was elite. And why was it elite? Because he moved over to Stipe Extreme Couture. Yeah. You know, I'm just looking. Yeah. So, yeah, Stipe in, the, in their second fight didn't get a takedown. Francis actually got a takedown. Compare that to the um, the first fight, Stipe got six takedowns. Big difference. <laughs> I think that says all you need to say. And that, you know, yes, there was a, there was a, there was three years in between those two fights. But you know, stats don't lie. And 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 Ghana is a full time twenty four seven MMA fighter. And I don't believe that Cyril Gan is. I believe that Cyril Gan is a, a part time MMA fighter when he has a fight. I think, I think this loss will change him because you could see how devastated he was and how upset he was after the fight. Yes. And I think maybe he starts for doing it full time but you know no one's going to think you know what's in the coach lopez is uh, yeah, mma factory yeah. isn't gonna is it, is it i don't i can't see that he's going to be particularly pissed off with you wanting to go and learn wrestling i think lopez has got to sort of hold his hands up and say look it's, it's evident that you can if he's a really good coach it's evident that you cannot get the correct wrestling or the the a sufficient degree of wrestling at heavyweight yeah uh, because you know melissa dixon who we spoke to a couple of weeks ago i'm gonna look to get an interview with her before you know she headlines eras next month but you know she i know that she's gone over to train at mma factory in paris she's gone over to all stars to to train uh two weeks ago last a couple of, oh but you know within the past month it's slightly easier for her because you know, there's obviously a lot of female bodies that are over there at 135, at 145, maybe even at 155 for her to train with. With Cyril Gann, we don't, you know, you look at European heavyweights, you've got Tom Aspinall, mm-hmm. you've got Cyril Gann, you've got Elia Latifi, who's in and out of retirement, and then yep. you've got the kind of Russian heavyweights of, of you know, you've got... Um, Volkov and and alike and you know maybe Romanov who who trains this who who fights this weekend but there's not an awful lot of high level and it's you know it's different you can't just train you can't just go over to like an Armenia and train wrestling you have to train wrestling for MMA because we saw Cyril Gann just give his neck while trying to get up because he got on he sort of just tried to get up on all fours give his neck to Jones and Jones is just you know if you give Jones a neck Asleo Umachida he he takes it. Yeah. It's like I say, it's a little disappointing. There's still questions to be asked about John Jones, but with regards to the GOAT debate, I don't think there's any questions. And I think finally we've got John Jones has got that itch again to to get back in there and not prove that he's the greatest of all time, because I don't think he has to prove that, but I think he's got that itch there now. You know, we saw it in the Anthony Smith fight, we saw it in the Thiago Santos fight, and we saw it in the Dominic Reyes fight. There was you know, he's always spoke about there being no fear there. Yeah. Now, if he fights a Stipe Miocic, who is the consensus greatest heavyweight of all time, most title defenses, you know, knocked out Cormier, knocked out, uh, fin- uh, dominated Francis Ngannou, you know, you know, a whole host of absolutely phenomenal performances yep. on uh, Stipe Miocic's um, resume. Yeah. He's really good, man. I think that fear will reignite in John Jones. And, you know, I saw him talking to BT Sports' Caroline Pierce, and he said, look, I did a whole training camp for Stipe Miocic. Now I just have to go back and tap my notes a little bit and I'll, I'll get training for Stipe Miocic. Which, so I think that'll be the next fight. And I think that's heavyweight John Jones has that, you know, competitive fear in him now. And I think that's what we what we need from John Jones. Yeah. You know who made his debut? So John Jones won the 
<clears throat> the World Championship 2011. He was the youngest champion in UFC history in 2011. Do you know who made his debut in the UFC in 2011? Stipe Miocic. He was... He has had an entire career. He was a contender, a champion. He's on the other side of the championship now in the same amount of time that John Jones remained unbeaten and a reigning champion or a stripped or whatever champion. I mean, a disgraced champion, but essentially he never lost is the important part. But let's talk about one thing. We were debating about this on Twitter and I didn't get a lot of pushback, which means people who follow me are very intelligent people and I love that. But one of the narratives that we've heard over and over again in MMA is that we should skew GOAT talks to more recent champions because fighters are getting better over time and fighters are getting more well-rounded over time. But I think UFC 285, among a few other examples, have proven that fighters at middleweight, light heavyweight, and heavyweight are not getting more well-rounded over time. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make an argument that we fighters have A games and B games. And when we talk about one-dimensional fighters, we're talking about their A games. Guys like Boss Root and Crow Cop, uh, uh, Cyril uh, Gone. These have really good A games. I would argue that their B games have gotten a lot worse. You got to think of like Alex Pereira. He's clearly a one-dimensional striker against another one-dimensional striker in Anderson Silva. Who's the better submission grappler out of those two? Who's a better submission grappler? Even Boss Rutan versus Cyril Gone in submission grappling. I might pick Boss Rutan. You know what I mean? I think the narrative that fighters are getting more well-rounded over time is false in those higher weight classes. Now, the lower weight classes, yeah, they're fucking incredible. Oh my god, bantamweight, featherweight, and lightweight are the best things that has ever happened in the history of this sport. Uh, but at heavyweight, like, the Tai Tuivasa and Cyril Gon, Derek Lewis, these guys are top five ranked, even today. You know what I mean? Like, it's not me when I'm wrong here, but I think fighters are not more well-rounded than they were. I will say that they probably have more depth on their A game. I think that's very clear. Um, but their B games, they're not more well-rounded here. Stop me when I'm wrong here. No, for sure. I can't stop you because I don't think you're wrong at yeah. all. You know? yeah. like, like you say, you, you almost have to compare it case by case. Uh, you look at you look at welterweight and I think, you know, Leon Edwards, first person to take down Kamara Usman, but has holes in his takedown defense game against Kamara Usman. Right. Usman adapted his striking massively and has sort of almost turned into a striker who was once a boring wrestler. Mm. You know, um, you look at Islam Makachev has got a well-rounded game. He does, yeah. You know, he's, good. he's got a well-rounded game. But and his, then, A-game, his A-game's amazing too. He's his so A-game's good. phenomenal, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, you have got well-rounded guys and girls in, in, the, in the UFC and in, you know, Bellator and the PFL and whatnot, but... I completely agree. You know, John Jones is probably as well-rounded a, a, a competitor as we've seen, but he's coming up against a one-dimensional Cyril Gann. He's, he's coming up against, exactly, you know, and, you know, Francis Ngannou, he added that extra string to his bow to have takedown defense. And yes, he took Stipe Merchis down his, in his last fight, but Francis Ngannou is a striker, you know, Bo Nickel. He's a wrestler. We saw him throw that kick and slip because he was so easy through it with such power and was off balance. You know, I don't think we'll have time because there's so much to talk about, but I know. to talk about the, the middleweight fight between Derek Brunson and Drickus Duplessis. The, the level of that fight, unfortunately, no disrespect to them, was poor. It was a poor fight. These are top tens. <laughs> these these are yeah, Derek Brunson was ranked number five in the world. No disrespect to Derek Brunson, but how is he gassing out that badly? In his corner through in the towel because they'd seen enough of him getting beaten up because he was too tired. He's a top five guy at one eighty five. Yeah, you know, you're just not seeing. Uh, I think 
arguably, you know, skill for skill, the guys are better these days because the game is evolving. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got John Jones. Is he a better striker than, let's say, Fabrizio Vadum even? Just as far back as that. Of course, he's a better striker than Fabrizio Vadum. Is he a better wrestler? Yeah, I'd say he's a better wrestler. Has he got as good a ground game? No. No. Of course God. he hasn't. But you you also look at the, the the evolution of MMA, the low leg kick, the leg kick as a whole is coming into it even more. The, the meta know. the metas have changed a lot over time. For right? sure. Yeah. So it's it's a difficult to say categorically the guys of today are better than the guys of yesterday. But as far as well rounded games, Mateus Gamrot, for example, you know, again, I that was a very very close fight, Mateus Gamrot versus Jalen Turner. Jalen Turner. I was thinking when watching it, is he the hardest hitting 155er? Because every time he's hitting Mateus Gamrot, oh, he, he was, he was, he was, Gamrot was massively affected by it. And, Gam, you know, that was a striker versus grappler. Gamrot could not hang with Jalen Turner on the feet and had to shoot in on Jalen Turner. Jalen Turner couldn't handle the takedowns of Gamrot and was stinging him on the feet. That they're not, with the greatest respect, they're not well rounded mixed martial artists. They're phenomenal at what they do. Mateus Gamera is a phenomenal wrestler. Jalen Internal, like I said, visually looks like one of the hardest hitting 155ers that we in the division at the moment. Yeah, he's good. You know, but they're not well rounded guys. And then you compare that to a Shavkat Rachmanov, who's completely well rounded. You know, oh, we'll go on to talk about his so entire good. performance later on, but so good. It's, it's a difficult debate, but I think it you is. Know, that, for me, the, the sort of well-rounded nature of John Jones's get, get game, he is the goat. The, I, I don't, I can't, I can't he, see an argument for anyone else. You know, people talk about Khabib. John Jones had fifteen title fights in the UFC. Khabib's had thirteen total fights. Yes. <laughs> Come on. I know. I know. I know. Numbers I'm... don't. I know we said stats lie, but numbers don't lie like that. Come on. John Jones, he beat the old generation when he won the title. He beat that current generation. He beat the next generation. He struggled with one generation, and now he's back. Like He beat the generations. And I, I'll, I'll use a very exact example of what you're talking about with metas changing over like 23 years ago now. Igor Vochenshin, one-dimensional striker from the Ukraine, versus Mark Coleman, a one-dimensional wrestler uh, from the U.S. He, he was an Olympic qualifier, I believe. And they fought in the 2000 heavyweight Grand Prix. And it was a wrestler versus a striker, one-dimensional people. This was 23 years ago. Wall walking hadn't even been thought of yet. You know what? These like metas really changed. Wall walking wasn't thought of for like a few more years, uh, like almost 2003, 2004. Uh, doing things like wrist rides and these other kind of things weren't quite there. So, and it was also in a ring. So to say like Cyril Gaon has all that extra knowledge. He has 23 years more knowledge than Igor Volchenshin did. And he did worse. <laughs> he did worse than Igor Vochenshin did against Mark Coleman. That's almost an indictment on now of like, yeah, you have all these benefits. How are you not using them? How are you not using all the benefits? Steroids be damned. I know. I get it. That's the counterpoint to everything I'm saying. Fighters maybe have been better 20 years ago because of steroids. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't put steroids on your knowledge, though, I guess. You know, you can't, you can't take, you know, you can take Alpha Brain or whatever um, Joe Rogan goes on about. But... I don't think that you can kind of, you know, the knowledge is there that Cyril Gann had poor takedown defense. Do yeah. something about it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> straight up do something about it. You know, Daniel Cormier made the Olympic team in wrestling 
knew that you had a hole in this stand-up game, went to American Kickboxing Academy. I know it's a slight, maybe... Um, yeah, it's a misnomer, if anything. Yeah, yeah. But he turned into a, a phenomenal... He knocked out Stipe Miocic. Yes, it was from the clinch, so he's using his wrestling game, but he knocked out Stipe Miocic with an uppercut. He he was happy to stand and bang with a lot of guys and then use his wrestling to sort of fall back on, as it were. Same same with Islam Makhachev at the moment. Yep. He knows that he's got the best wrestling in the division by a long shot. Yep. So... He's now improving his hands, improving his kicks. Move with the times. You can't be stuck as we we often talk about. Oh, it's a striker versus grappler. Yeah, but we have an underlying understanding. Yes, it's a striker versus grappler. But you know, this weekend we've got uh, Petty Yan and, and uh, Murab Devashvili. That to me is a striker versus grappler. Striker versus grappler. Yeah, but Petty Yan can wrestle and wrestle really well. And Murab Devashvili has enough striking to. I'd say keep himself out of danger, but he takes a lot of damage. But he has enough striking to get his get him into his game. Yes, oh. it's a striker versus grappler, but it's not that one guy cannot strike and one guy cannot grapple. It's, it's that Bandit one guy. Amazing. This is this is the point we're trying to make. You know, it's <laughs> it, it's it, the games are more well rounded now, but only in the lightweight division. Yes, in, in, in like like you say, in the heavyweight division. We've got quite one-dimensional fighters not named John Jones or Tom Aspinall, in my opinion. How how would have a Jamal Hill done in 2012, like against a very good like Rashads and Rampages? Exactly. Probably not great. Glover, against I think John would, Jones. Glover how would, would he do against fine. John Jones these days? Not good. Not good. I mean, Glover Glover was the example of like a guy who was fringe top five during John Jones' era, and now then he was champion for a bit. Jiri, Jiri's a tough one. He probably would have done well in almost any era. I think he actually would have done great in any era. Uh, but He's yeah. not an MMA fighter, though, is he, Jiri Pachka? He's just a madman. <laughs> happens yeah. to fight in a cage with gloves. <laughs> Man. man him and vanderlei throwing down in pride anyway let me get this read off and then we'll, we'll do a quick reconnect here but uh you know uh, talking about alpha brain you know what cyril Khan really needs and you know alex grasso was doing it we'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor athletic greens their signature ag1 is perfect for daily nutrients and gut health support ag1 solves two of the most important health needs the nutrients your body needs each day and the foundation of long-term gut health together they fuel the whole body health impacting everything from sleep digestion energy mood immunity and health of your hair skin and nails um and let's let's get to the good one now, if you want to push back against saying fighters are getting better over time, especially in the lighter weight classes, look no further than Alexa Grasso. What a phenomenal performance. It, this is the thing. This is the X factor that we described last time out. And it wasn't Valentina Shevchenko's age. It was Alexa Grasso's improvements in between fights. Her fast left hand, her fast punching combinations, her ability to move her feet and land strikes. Absolutely phenomenal. Also spotting openings. Phenomenal. Her ability to get taken down and work her way back up get taken down and still scramble get taken down counter submissions and also she was quite often avoiding takedowns altogether what an absolute master i mean she lost a couple of rounds here and there but still given the context this was a masterclass performance from alexa grasso give her give her all of her praise fraser what did you see what did you make of it i think we need to give her all of her praise because i'm not afraid to admit that on last week's show i didn't see a, a route to victory. We said That's on right. the feet, Valentina Shevchenko is better. On the ground, Valentina Shevchenko, uh, Valentina Shevchenko is better. She's a Valentina Shevchenko is a horrible person as soon as she steps over that 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 gap into the octagon because it's just everything that she puts: leg kick, spiteful punches, spiteful spinning back fist, horrible. To she 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 goes in there to try and hurt her opponent, which I know it sounds ridiculous when we're talking about cage fighting, but 
you know, a lot of people go in there to point fight. She goes in there to, with every strike, even jab, she's looking to snap the head back of her opponent. And I didn't see how Alexa Grasso gets this one done. I will say on verdict MMA, I picked Alexa Grasso by third round submission. No way. Put all my, put all my points on it, finishing the top 10% of uh, the, the, the guys on verdict. But Awesome. Did I truly believe in that? No. Did I, Would I have put money on it? Definitely not. But I did feel all week that Alexa Grasso just kind of wasn't playing the games of, of Shevchenko. Shevchenko kind of saying, you know, she's not, not... Did Shevchenko lose this one before the fight started? I'm not so sure because it didn't appear to me that she was taking Alexa Grasso that seriously as a contender, mm. you know. And then as soon as she was rocked in that first round, she was thinking, shit, you know, that one, two... Uh, it, it, Lightning. It, it was... Maybe something that you learn on your first day of boxing, just a one, two, three, you know, a, a jab, a straight, followed by the left hook. And she cracked Valentina Shevchenko with it. And then she threw it again. And then she went for the takedown at the end of the round just to put that thing in Shevchenko's mind of, oh, shit, okay, maybe, you know, she's good on the feet. She's always, you know, we knew she was good on the feet. The first round was extremely close. I scored it for Alexa Grasso. Damage, you know, the damage was done by Alexa Grasso. Definitely. And you could see that it affected Shevchenko because quite early on into that second round, you know, she was slightly more hesitant to to just go in there with strikes and she took her down. And then she got back to her feet and she had to take her down again. And she, she I thought we maybe get a, a performance like a Liz Carmouche where she was just, you know, we're just see it out but unlike Liz Carmouche Alexa Grasso didn't accept being on the ground you know that third round started and she cracked her again she didn't accept being on the ground again she was taken down again she didn't accept you know there's that non-acceptance of being on the ground and then the fourth round starts and you know Alexa Grasso was just doing things that you wouldn't expect someone to be able to do to Valentina Shevchenko based on what we've seen Shevchenko do before, you know. Yep. She was throwing, the, in the first round, she was throwing, I'll look at, get the stats up, she was throwing a lot of leg kicks, landed nine leg kicks in that first round. We don't see that against Valentina because people are scared about being taken down. Mm-hmm. And then in that fourth round, she dummied the leg kick. Valentina sort of reached down to try and catch the leg. And the, because it was a because it was a fake, the leg wasn't there. She got cracked with the left hook. And you know, Alexa Grasso then, you know, she, remember the the finish is everyone's saying, well, she shouldn't have gone for a spinning back kick. But where, where where were they in the octagon when she went for the spinning back kick? Shevchenko was almost pressed up against the cage. Crazy decision to go for that spinning back kick when you're so close to the cage. You've got no room to... You There's no room there. It was, you know, cage wall, Shevchenko and Grasso. That there wasn't a lot of room to throw that big spinning strike. You know, she would have, even if she would have shot and been been unsuccessful with it, she would have got out of that position. But Alexa Grasso was pressuring Shevchenko up against the cage, to a degree, you know, and she she was out muscling her up against the cage, mm-hmm. and then the spinning back back kick comes almost like a counter to try and get her, you know, maintain the distance, get that distance away from Grasso. But but like, the... unlike unlike a Chris Weidman spinning back kick, the spinning back kick is right in Valentina's game. That's a normal thing she does all the time. That's like it For wasn't sure. like a weird freak thing. She does it all the time, right? As Alexa Grasso was clearly drilling, yep. you know, you you saw you you can clearly see, and you know, we all know that that that's like you say in her game, yeah. along with the spinning spinning sort of it's a it's a it's, I guess it's a spinning sort of strike with her hand but she kind of brings it down sometimes she lands the elbow sometimes she lands a spinning back fist 
you know, some you know, it's kind of more of a full on type, which obviously works. You know, ask Yana and Jacek who got knocked out by uh, yeah. by Wiley with it. But you know, to spin when there's there's such a small amount of distance between you and your opponent, you have to. I think you know, I'm no taekwondo expert. Ask Joe Joe Rogan about this one, but I'm I'm pretty sure that you you know. You don't want to be hitting them at the very end of your leg, but you don't want to be hitting them when your leg's too bent up. You know, there's no power there. It's just mm-hmm. a, a, a distance maintainer. You know, throwing the knee there would have been... I know she had her back to Alexa Grasso. That's why she kind of spun and she almost 360'd and Alexa Grasso just... Cla- you know, she said after the fight that she was doing it, she climbed up that back like a koala. That I, I mean... Oh, and, but, that's so good. How I'm many times sure have we seen that? I, I think we've only seen it once before, her spinning back into a, a submission like i think it was in dream of all places like it's been a minute since we've seen that and people are comparing it to chris weidman i can understand why because that was the Absolutely. beginning of the end for him but that was a ground and pound finish where i i don't know i can't remember if he he made it back to his stool and then was finished in the next round or or he was just ground and pounded out from luke rockhold and that was a, a yeah. mixture between being fatigued and and obviously you know under luke rockhold who's one of the best submission you know, grapplers that that we've seen in the middleweight division for a long time, but very well rounded as well, for sure, exactly. And you know, Alexa Grasso, she didn't. It, Valentina Shevchenko didn't tap because she was fatigued. She tapped because Alexa Grasso climbed up her back, got both hooks in, and took her down to the floor within five to ten seconds. You know, she. I think I I, I haven't watched the fight back. I've, I've only watched it once, but from Valentina throwing the spinning back kick to Alexa Grasso having this, the, her arm under Valentina's neck, it can't be more than 20 seconds. You know, she's credited with one minute and five control time, but there's no no way that that, that submission was one minute and five seconds mm-hmm. because she was just so quick from spinning back kick, right, I've drilled this, I've seen the spinning back kick, I've sort of crowded the space, so even if it lands, it's not going to land with full power. I'm climbing up the back, I've got the hooks. You know, hooks are in before they even hit the floor. At least one hook was in, I should say, before they even hit the floor. And I'm not sure if you've seen the image on Twitter of the squeeze yeah. Alexa Grasso. For those that haven't seen it, we'll uh, we'll we'll tweet it out. Yo, it's in an article that I'm 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 getting up later today. Yes. Valentina's face is red, obviously, because you know it's, it's a heated situation. She's been you know doing pretty rigorous exercise, but the squeeze, you know, it's not a rear naked choke. She wasn't under the neck. It was, I think, it's gone down as a rear naked choke. Yeah, but. Or I it's think, a face, uh, yeah. Says, on, on UFC yeah. stats, it says rear naked choke. So we'll we'll see. You know, yeah. you kind of go off what they say, but it's a face crank because the the sort of strip a lot just under her nose and and sort of her lips. It's it's white with the blood has been kind of drained out of her face because of the squeeze of Alexa Grasso. Yeah. And Mexico's got another UFC champion, two undisputed champions, one interim champion. And Irene Aldana competing in a few weeks' time to probably get the number one contender spot. Get the UFC to Mexico because it, it deserves it. And not it deserves and the it. real Mexicans, not Cain Velasquez, who doesn't speak a lot of Spanish. <laughs> real Mexicans this time around. But I, I, this absolutely incredible. Her, her leaps and bounds and improvements in between fights. She was on her best game all night long. Just surreal, her improvements. And this is what it looks like when greats are quite often beaten in MMA. We always imagined that who is going to beat Anderson Silva? It's going to be a guy who can counter his game perfectly, a wrestler submission. Who's, you know, who's going to counter uh, John Jones, some guy who can counter his game on stand-up? No, it's someone who's just better 
all around better. Alexa Grasso outstruck a multi-time UFC champion who was also a multi-time Muay Thai champion. She beat her on the feet. She was a better mixed martial artist in that fight. Like, that's what it looks like. It wasn't someone who hard countered her game or had the strength advantage or anything like that. She beat her in every faucet, in every area. Valentina could not get anything going, could not get any meaningful offense going. Alexa Grasso, absolutely one of the best performances in MMA history, beating an all-time great, absolute jewel in the crown of Mexico here. And just love to see it. I, it's just phenomenal. Just- on your point there, this is kind of alluding to the article that I'm going to try. I'm, I'm, it will either be today or tomorrow that it's getting up. Mm. Will Valentina get an immediate rematch? Comma, sort of side note, does she deserve an immediate rematch? <sighs> I don't know. I'm sick of these immediate rematches happening in MMA for anyone that loses their title. I know. I'm, I'm, you know, Figueredo and Moreno had, what, 14 fights because <laughs> yeah. they were just passing the, the, the belt between them. You know, Petty Yang got an immediate rematch. Max Holloway got an immediate rematch. Charles Oliveira didn't get an immediate rematch. And the divisions moved on. You know, Kamar Usman, immediate rematch. Israel Adesanya, immediate rematch. Glover Teixeira, immediate rematch. You know, heavyweight's different because the 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 the, the, the champion left. But Amanda Nunes, immediate rematch. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. You've you know, Carlo Esparza is not getting immediate rematch, but Zhang got an immediate rematch against Rose Namahunis. Amanda Nunes, immediate rematch against Juliana Pena. I know. It's boring now. In it my is. opinion, I don't think Valentina Shevchenko should get an immediate rematch. Flyweight's real good. There's actual... Because really there's good so many contenders. That's Why right. are we stalling the division for another six months by giving Valentina a, another shot? And then maybe, you know, maybe she wins against Alexa Grasso in the rematch. Then they have to make a trilogy fight. Why are we doing that? You know, Manon Firo, more than deserving of a title shot. Talia Santos, I think, was hard done by to not get a title shot. Erin Blanchfield, who's a terrible matchup stylistically for Alexa Grasso. You know. It's a good division. Tatiana Suarez, I know she's now ranked at strawweight, but she's thinking, well, I've got a win over the flyweight champion, who still hasn't looked great defending takedowns. Maybe I'll keep this extra 10 pounds on my frame. Macy Barber, for some reason, called for a, for a rematch. and okay, Shelf no. yourself, Macy. Get get some wins first. But, you know, I and Valentina Shevchenko, I, in, my, in my article, I'm comparing Shevchenko to the likes of Amanda Nunes. Amanda Nunes was on a tear, you know. Yeah. And she the, the way she the, the fight before she lost the belt, with the Megan Anderson fight. She ran through her. She retired Megan Anderson. Um, Kamara Usman was on a 19 fight. Uh, sorry, Kamara Usman was on a, a crazy win streak yes. and had just gone five hard rounds with Colby Covington and won the fight unanimously. Israel Adesanya tore through. He was on a 19 fight win streak at middleweight, tore through all the contenders. You know, he was tearing through contenders. Jared Cannonier was his most recent fight before he lost to Pereira. Five round domination. I don't think Jared Cannonier won a minute of that fight, and he cleared the division. Like out of the top ten, he had beaten like eight of them or something like insane. Exactly, like and yeah. the, at least with that, there's a narrative between Pereira and Adesanya, which is arguably you know, and and with Leon Edwards and Kamara Usman, there's a narrative there because there's a trilogy fight. Oh. It's a trilogy now, and he was completely losing that fight. You know, yeah. he'd won the first round. He lost two, three, four. Was losing five. He quite literally pulls it out of the fire, as the, as the quote goes. This time we're at sea level, though. Sea level Leon. Oh, Leon's winning that fight, pound for pound. Uh, 100%. Come on. 
But you know, let's go. We can't look ahead to two eighty six too 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 soon because you know we've only got an hour for this show. This show had enough, and we could just talk about Leon Edwards for an hour. But you know, luckily, just quickly on two eighty six, thank God that that fight card is weak, so we can just talk predominantly about Leon Edwards, then about Justin Gaethje and Fazeev. I mean, I don't <laughs> I know if you noticed on the UFC broadcast, but they've still got Gunnar Nelson. They 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 put the two eighty six card up. They still had Gunnar Nelson versus Daniel Rodriguez. That fight isn't happening anymore. That's Gunnar Nelson versus Brian Barberena. So why that they don't care about London clearly, but you know it is what it is. Back to the flyweight division. <laughs> Back to there are Manon Fuero never fought for the title, yes. deserves a title shot. Yes, Erin Blanchfield never fought for the title, more than deserving of a title shot. Yes. Talia Santos, yes, extremely close split decision against Valentina Shevchenko. Arguably deserved an immediate rematch. Alexa Grasso, the new champion, you know. You've got people coming up, Casey O'Neill. You know, if she gets a really good win against Jennifer Meyer uh, in, in two weeks' time at UFC London, she gets maybe one or two more fights, she should be the next contender, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Miranda Maverick, ranked number 15, a couple more wins, she'll be in the title pitch. I don't think we should be giving immediate rematch. Because, like we said, women's flyweight, one of the most competitive divisions. I've just named off at yes. least two women that deserve a title shot, Manon Fioro and, and Aaron Blanchfield. And Blanchfield called for it on Instagram, you know, international fight week question mark. Let's do it. Make that fight. Make that fight. You know, no disrespect to Valentina. I think she's, you know, I mean, she's what, pound for pound number two for in the women's, yeah, she's pound for pound number two in the women's division. But let's be honest here. Her previous performance before this loss wasn't impressive. This performance wasn't totally impressive. I don't think that she deserves an immediate rematch. Will they give her an immediate rematch? Of course they will, because it's the UFC. It's it's an easy fight to make, but it's disappointing because they. Yeah. I, I I completely disagree with the, you know, fighter X serves an immediate rematch after losing their title. I agree. Yeah. It, it's 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 boring. I've just it named is. almost every, everyone apart from in the lightweight division has got an immediate rematch after losing their belt. But you know for a fact, you know Alexander Volkanovski versus Yaya Rodriguez. If Volkanovski loses. He's getting an immediate rematch because it's a thin. Well, there's no not many people there. Is the is the thing, right? Featherweight's been beaten by him. He's beaten exactly. the top. <laughs> and, and this is what we're saying. You know, if you look if you look down the featherweight division, just taking that as an example, the next fight for Volkanovski will be Rodriguez, but he's beaten Max Holloway, rank number two. He's beaten Brian Ortega, rank number three. Then you've got an Arnold Allen. Josh Emmett just lost to to the number one contender, yeah. Chan Sung Young, beaten. You know. Yeah he's cleared out the division, which is, it's fine to give an immediate rematch when you've cleared out the division, a la Adesanya. Valentina Shevchenko has yet to clear out the division. She hasn't beaten number one. She's barely beat number two. She hasn't beaten number three. And then, you know, she she beat number four, beat number five, didn't beat number six. She lost to number six. She beat number seven. You know, she hasn't faced any of these, you know, n- number 11, Casey O'Neill, you know, who I'm very high on. Number 10, Andrea Lee hasn't beaten her. Macy Barber hasn't beaten her. Tracy, you know. Yeah. And then you compare that to Adesanya. Adesanya's beat Rob Whitaker, number two, Jared Cannonier, Marvin Vittori, Derek Brunson, Paolo Costa. He's been the, yeah. He's beaten the division. He's cleared it. And then you're not giving Sean Strickland a shot. You're not giving Roman Delodzi a shot. You're not giving Jack Manson a shot because these guys aren't ready yet. They suck. You know, he, <laughs> even suck. at welterweight, I'm not convinced that the rematch was the way to go because Leon Edwards is a champion now. Agreed. But never faced Colby Covington, never faced Hamzat, never faced Bilal, never faced Gilbert Burns. Yep. 
never faced Stephen Tom. I don't know. Never faced Stephen Thompson. And now my boy Shavkat's there. Shavkat. So I, I think on the debate of like, did the division catch up to Valentina or is it age? It might be a little bit of age. But I think really the answer is that the division has caught up to her. Is it the division or is it just Alexa Grasso? She looks so good on she that night. So I think good. Alexa Grasso could have been in there with, I mean, I say any flyweight of, of the year in UFC history. Valentina is the only flyweight in UFC history. But, you know, she could have been in there with any version of Valentina, I think, on, on Saturday night. And she would have won a phenomenal performance. You know, you hit the nail on the head there. People who want to come out here and say age, what would that have looked like in Valentina's prime? It would have looked the same. It would have been the For same sure. result. I mean, you, you talk about age. John Jones had just had three years off fighting in a division up. And he ran through Cyril Gann. I know. You can't, you know. And Valentina, you know, all week, you know, we, ha- we haven't really seen her slow down. She struggled against Santos, but it was, a, it, it, it was different against Santos. She struggled on the ground against Santos. Against Alexa Grasso, she struggled on the feet and then was submitted on the ground. How are we seeing the division, like you say, how are we seeing the division catch up with her? Definitely. Quite possibly. Yeah. And no disrespect to Valentina, but it's exciting. You know, to have one champion just, you know, DJ's reign, as impressive as it was, it wasn't entertaining. No, it wasn't. You know, it was, who's DJ like going to beat this time? I, yeah. I love DJ. I love the way he fights, and I'm excited for his uh, his upcoming one one championship fight. But Yeah. I know. I know. But it, It's like... who's DJ going to beat this time? It's not, oh, Wilson Hayes might get, or Ray Borg might. No, <laughs> DJ's going to kill this guy. How's he going to do it? Is he going to throw him up in the air and armbar him? Oh, fuck. Yes, he is. <laughs> That was insane. That's still one of the best. Anyway, let's let's move forward because we are running like we good amount of time there on that. But let's move forward. Shavkat, absolute war. This guy, this guy. What can't you say about him? I love him. He's a great prospect. Go ahead. I know. <laughs> oh, also article link. All the links will be down below for us. But yeah, Shavkat, go ahead there. I think this was his coming out party. You know, I think this this rear naked choke is going to go down as John Jones's Leoto Machida kind of rear naked choke. You know, when he just kind of drops Leoto and Leoto collapses to the floor. Shavkat standing rear naked. I thought, you know, seven, 16 and 0 is, with 16 finishes. He's going to be 17 and 0 with 16 finishes. That's what I thought. Four minutes, 17, final round. Standing rear naked choke. Drops. You know, he put Jeff Neal to sleep. Jeff Neal, you know, yes, he was fatigued. Yes, he was hurt to the body. Yes, he was hurt to the face. But... If if you're tapping for a rear naked choke and then collapse to the floor, you've gone out there. Yeah, incredible. And I'm glad that we saw him tested because, ha- <laughs> I mean, cage Jeff time Neal matters. Cage time matters. Cage lot. time matters. Jeff Neal is one of the hardest hitting welterweights. I, I think he probably hits. You know, he, he's got harder hands than than Leon Edwards. Probably harder hands than Usman Covington. Probably not Shamayev, but Bilal Muhammad, Gilbert Burns. I mean, Stephen Thompson's a different stylistic matchup, but he's he's got heavier hands than all of these guys. His name's Hands of Steel, for Christ's sake! Like he's he's got heavy, heavy hands, and Shavkat took a lot of big licks off him and still managed to walk forward. I mean, there was that after he lost his mouthpiece, didn't even realize. No, I don't care. Mouthpiece flew out. I don't give a fuck. Let's just fight. You know, it is it was amazing. I think Shavkat gets ranked in the top. I'd be looking at top five for Shavkat. Yeah. He beat Sean. He he killed Sean Brady. He, he, I mean, he overtakes Jeff Neal without a doubt because Jeff Neal's ranked number seven. I think he's better than Stephen Thompson. He's more well-rounded than Stephen Thompson. Gilbert Burns, you know, he has got a fight coming up, but he's fighting number 11. You know, Gilbert Burns didn't want any of that Shavkat smoke. A phenomenal performance. We just saw such a well-rounded game out of Shavkat. And 
for me, like I say, I'm glad that he took took some big shots in this fight because we know that he can be hurt and he now knows that he, he needs to show up his defense a little bit more. But we also know that he's, despite, you know, 17 fights, 17 knock, uh, 17 finishes, he's, 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 he's overdue a knockout now because he's submitted, uh, he's submitted both, both Neil Magny and Jeff Neil. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like I say, he's going to be more switched on in the next fight. You know, I took some big shots from Jeff Neil. I can't, I can't take these, these big shots all, all, all the time. And, you know, I think his, 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 his ring IQ to take those big shots and not just try and throw back straight away. He, he, you know, he circled out, he got a little bit of distance, but then he knew Jeff Neal was, you know, he, he'd missed weight by what four, four pounds. He knew he was going to be soft to the body. He knew he was hurting his body. Those knees in the final round, he, he like Valentino in my eyes is, is nasty. Shavkat. I want to see Shavkat in a main event next. I think the main event versus Stephen Thompson is probably the way they're going to go. You know, it makes a lot of sense. Stephen Thompson's a big name. He's a well-respected name. Tough style and, as well. Different style. Exactly. And, he, and he's a gatekeeper at the moment, Stephen Thompson. You know, he's had his title opportunities. He's lost when it's got up to the sort of the big ones. I think a Shavkat versus Stephen Thompson um, fight night fight night main event is the way to go in July, August probably. I'm here for it. I think Shavkat will be a future champion. Yeah. I do want to see him against Kamzat as well. You know, that it's just hundred percent for for what it's worth, you know. I, that won't happen anytime soon. I want to see him against Hamza. You know, I want to see him tested in the takedown defense. I don't think anyone's I don't yeah, no one's landed a takedown on him. Takedown defense is a hundred percent. I don't think anyone's tried, to be honest. You know, Neil Magny didn't try, Carson mm-hmm. Harris didn't try, mm-hmm. uh Fereza's tried three times, didn't get any. Mm-hmm. And Cowboy Oliveira tried twice and didn't get any. But you know, if you just look guillotine rear naked choke knockout guillotine rear naked choke the guy is so good and, I mean you got a rear, standing rear naked choke for a fight that didn't hit the ground at all mm-hmm. work that out you know phenomenal performance by Shavkat and you know I could talk all day about him but it's just uh, he's a, I think he's moved from a prospect to a contender on Saturday oh, yeah. night and I'm, I'm excited about it uh, coastline, 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 just incredible. Let's move forward a little bit. Matush Gamrat versus Jalen Turner. We did cover already. Bo Nickel uh, versus Jamie Pickett. Eh, eh. You know what? Yeah, I think the bigger question that we have is, is the UFC right place to nurture mm, a prospect? You know what I mean? I mean, I actually did spot the low blow straight away. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. We'll, but, we'll talk about that, yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. Sure. But like you say, is, is the UFC the right place to to nurture Bo Nickel? I don't actually. I don't know. Because who do you give him next? You know, he. Because the UFC model is like rising towards a championship, and I think if you want to actually like someone who's three and zero like this, I think they're better suited for CFFC for ten fights or LFA for ten fights, and then the UFC, and then they can start rising. Because we're gonna want to see him see him move in against better competition, and that for prospect for sure. that might be not be the right attitude because you want cage time for them. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's had what? What did we learn about Bo Nickel this weekend? Not nothing at all. Nothing. You know, yeah. we learned that. He needs to maybe work on his stand-up because he threw that kick and fell over. Well, yeah, you know, just <laughs> looking, he's ranked number 47 on topology at the moment. People are already calling for him to get a top 10 ranked guy. So let's no, no, just no, pump no, the brakes no, no, a bit, you know. He's a great prospect. Amazing prospect, though. But I don't know him. who you who you put him in against, you know, next that's going to really give him, really answer some questions. I'm just looking, maybe someone like Phil Hawes, but it's that too big a step up, you know. Phil Hall's is fourteen, yeah. uh, twelve and fourteen. So, 
fighting the likes of, you know, Roman Delodzi, Chris Curtis, Darren Wynn. It's a huge step up in competition. But then you can't take a step back with this guy because you're trying to build this guy to be a a world champion is is essentially what they're trying. You know, a perfect fight would have been somebody like, you know, a a Jamie Pickett is, is is the perfect fight. But then, you know, what do you do with him next? I'm just looking... There's no one. I mean, do they give him? You, they're going to have to hire someone or someone who's going to be like, you know, zero and three or something like that's that's the right level of competition that they should be looking at for him. For sure, you know, he's realistically he's a he's a ultimate fighter prospect. Without no yeah. disrespect, that that means no disrespect because he's clearly above that. But that's that's what he is, you know, because he, you know, <laughs> that's the kind of level that he's at. Because we don't know anything about his striking. Phenomenal performance. He didn't get touched in that fight, which, you know, how can you complain about that? But at the same time, you know, is he going to get to a point and then be exposed in the striking game? If someone defends his, if someone defends his takedown, I mean, Jamie Pickett, I thought did quite well defending his original takedown before he was quote unquote low blowed. You know, Bo Nickel, according to this, he landed one of four takedowns. Didn't quite see all of those takedown attempts, but you know, you could see, I think he could have got that submission far quicker than he did as well. He wasn't quite, to me, I know Jamie Pickett trapped the leg, but to me, it was like he wasn't quite sure that he had to, you know, completely drop his chest to the mat to really get the angle. So, you know, he's 27, he's still learning, but it's a difficult one for Bonicle because, like you say, mm-hmm. what do you do with him next? Like, it- who, who who's next for Bonicle? Yeah, the UFC, I'm not sure it's the right place for prospects like him. You usually want to be established, like Shavkat and Habib and these people. You already have like 10 fights and you're clearly quite a hot prospect. And then you enter the UFC because your skills are good. But yeah, just a few minutes left here. What else do you see on the card before we do a quick word on the upcoming one? Not an awful lot, to be honest. The, the main card was phenomenal. Um, yep. Ian Gary, I mean, what did we learn about Ian Gary? Got dropped by Son Canan in, I think it's the first round. Didn't yeah, learn a ton. Yeah, yeah. yeah learn a ton, but we didn't mm-hmm. I didn't think that was the kind of opponent to teach Ian sort of, you know, to to learn anything about Ian Gary. Again with Ian Gary, who'd you go with next? Because he came over as a I think a ten and O prospect. Uh, no, I think an eight and O prospect he came over to the UFC. It's, yeah, it's the right level, yeah. And, you know, we've seen him, you know, bring his baby and we've seen him with with Connor backstage saying, you know, I think a really good fight for him, just looking down the rankings now on topology, would be like a uh, Phil Rowe. You know, sure. he's he's three, he's got three knockouts in his last three fights. There's some there's something there at least coming back at, at Ian Gary because yes, he's young. You know, twenty five years old, eleven and oh. But I haven't learned anything about Ian Gary since his Cage Warriors days. You know, he got a knockout over Jordan Wright, who had no business being in there with him. He's then gone to decision twice, and now he's got a knockout over Kenan Song, uh, Song Kenan, who, again, you know, he's coming off a knockout. He's not at the level that that Ian Gary should be competing against. But yeah. you know, it it is what it is. They're obviously building Ian Gary slow because of his age, and because you know they're maybe hoping that he can be the next Irish <laughs> Irish guy, you know, behind Connor. But I wouldn't be surprised to see him. He, you know, he called to be on the Miami card. I can't see that happening, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him. You know, sit out and maybe come on that card that that Connor is, that Connor will be headlining. You know, later on in the year against Michael Chandler. 
Oh, probably. I think that's actually a good shout. Uh, but yeah, good stuff. Uh, Tabitha Ritchie was was the shout out I want to give. Great arm bar. Just love an arm bar. Oh my god, unreal. Okay, let's move forward. Look at the Peter Jan versus Mirab Dirishvili. Oh my god, Bantamweight. Just any of these names in the top 10 drawn out of a hat are amazing matchups. Um, what do you think? What do you make of it? It makes sense. I'm happy that, you know, this is what we're talking about is that these are two contenders that, you know, make sense to fight each other. The yes. Petty Yan versus Sean O'Malley fight for me never made sense and it was a phenomenal fight. It was amazing. <laughs> but now you look, you know, the, the champion seemingly fighting the champion that retired with the belt. I, I'm not mad about that, you oh. know. Number one contender kind of sitting out for the moment. Again, not mad about that. Fine. Number two is fighting number three. Number four is fighting number five. It's so good. Yes, 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 yes. A thousand times yes. You know, I'm I'm so here for that. And even further down the card, you've got Saeed Nurmagomedov fighting Jonathan Martinez. That's a step up in competition for Nurmagomedov. I'm here for it. Davy Grant fighting Rafael Asensau in uh, Bantamweight. I'm here for that because they're about, you know, the same level, you know. You've got Tony Gravely versus Victor Henry on. There's so many Bantamweight fights on this card, all of which make a lot of sense. You yes. Know, I'm, and, you know, I'm here for... Number two fights number three. Number three fights number four. Uh, sorry, number four fights number five. Number six fights number seven. We're here for that. That's kind of what's happening in the bantamweight division at the moment. And it's not exactly what's happening, you know, comparing it to welterweight. Number five is fighting number 11. I know. Because it's a money fight, you know. <laughs> I don't really care about that, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, bantamweight, this is why it's the best division. Champion fighting the champion that's that's retired, that's re- or, you know, semi-retired. Number one sitting out. Two versus three, four versus five. You know, the winner of two versus three probably fights the winner of four versus five due to, you know, just the champion being teammates with number three. It These things happen, you know, Sean O'Malley sat there still. I'd, I'd watch Sean O'Malley versus Petty Yan if Petty Yan wins this one again. I, I think he's recovering. So, he, he took some big hits. I think he needs some time. He, like, I think he knows that he needs some time to recover. I mean, exactly. And, you know, I'm, I'm here for it. They, they, yeah. they wanted to build Sean O'Malley slowly. And now they've pushed him right into the limelight with that win over Petty Yan. Yeah. I, I'm enjoying the Bantamweight division. I'm looking forward to this fight. This is Stars make fights. Marab can go for the full 25 minutes. Can Petty Yan's boxing really get to Marab? I think Petty Yan's going to come back angry. And yeah. whether that is good against someone who's going to look to just take you down, I'm not so sure if whether he, you know, whether he overswings them, I'm not sure, but it's exciting. It's oh very my exciting. god! I it just the bantamweight division is the greatest thing to ever happen to this sport in history. Like it's, it's just the feeling of people actually being paired up, actively fighting against one another, meaningful fights, and just the depth of skill in everyone in the entire top fifteen is phenomenal. It is unreal. Sure. It, is, it is a good time to be a WEC champ or WEC fan, actually. <laughs> Just those weight classes are good. Forget the rest. Um, and speaking of the rest, the rest of the card, you have uh, Alexander Volkov and Alexander Romanov. Not bad. Uh, Nikita Krylov and Ryan Span will do. Yeah, a I didn't rate. realize that these guys were were fighting again. I'm not. Yeah, I'm happy about that for mm. Ryan Span especially. I was obviously very upset when that fight fell out was it last yeah. week or the week before last. You know, I can't keep track. I don't know. <laughs> I think. And I think then it was we have, last week, wasn't it? Speaking of bantamweight, Saeed Nurmagomedov is on it. Like that, that's the weight class to watch. Forget these catchweights at two hundred five and heavyweight. Like the bantamweight and lightweight division is is where it's at, right? Yeah, for sure. And you know, even you know the women's flyweight division, Ariana Lipsky versus uh, JJ Alderich. You know, Lipsky hasn't quite crossed over how we thought she might. 
but it's t- it's it's like we said with Mandy Baum. Obviously, she beat Mandy Baum, but like we said with Mandy Baum, it's 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 now or never for Ariane Lipsky. You know, she she came over with hella amounts of hype, and she's what I'm just looking three and five, three and five in the and all of her losses have been you know Joanne Calderwood, Molly McCann, Antonina Shevchenko, Montel De La Rocha, and Priscilla Cachoeira last time out. It's time to go for for um, Ariane Lipsky. She needs to put her foot down and and get this done. Yep, absolutely. Uh, one last shout before we get out of here. Glory eighty four is this weekend. Uh, it's a champion for champion. Uh, we have featherweight champion Petch going up in weight to fight the lightweight champion Tajani Bestadi. I'll be in Rotterdam. If anyone has any questions or needs anything, uh, let, let me know. I'll be nice. I'll be there live. Uh, Fraser, uh, your article links will be down below. But talk us on out of here. What else you got going on? Yeah, I've got an interview with Impa Kasanganai, who's fighting in the PFL this weekend. That's, That's coming out. I recorded that a few weeks ago. It's a good one. Diamond bloke, really, really nice guy. And we got Bellator this weekend, but it's, you know, Usman Nurmagomedov is going to beat Benson Henderson because yes, it that's is. what's going to happen, I'm telling you now. And MVP returns. That's great. Love him. For, for a viral knockout. Tune in. <laughs> Thanks so much for your Fraser. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you.